always encouraging to hear what God is doing in other places. Well, brethren and sisters, turn with me to the book of, of Exodus. We didn't cover that much ground this morning, and we have more to cover this evening. And I, I will say this. I, I, I thank you for your grace for letting me go all the way to 1230. My, my wife said I was, she was surprised I didn't get stoned. <laughs> so I thank you, and, and, and I applaud you for your grace and mercy. Um, We'll be picking up in Exodus chapter 4. Um, be, we'll begin reading at verse 27, and we'll actually do some, a significant amount of reading um, all, uh, into, into chapter 5, all of chapter 5, and we'll read all the way into chapter 6 to verse 13, so another, about another 40 verses. So Exodus chapter 4, we'll begin reading at verse 27. The word of the Lord says, and the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness and meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain, in the mountain of God, and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him, and all the signs which he had commanded, commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and, went and gathered together the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their afflictions, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people, let, let my people go, that they, may, that they may hold a feast for me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I shall obey his voice to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, nor, nor will I let Israel go. So they, said, so they said, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest we fall upon with pestilence or with the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their labors? Get back to your labors. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labors. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them a quota of bricks which they, which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cried out, saying, let us go and sacrifice to God, to, to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard, the false, uh, regard false words. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says the Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourself straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmaster, taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when, as when there was straw. Also the, the, the officers of the children of Israel, whom, Pharaoh, whom, whom Pharaoh's taskmaster had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why 
Why have you not fulfilled your task in making bricks both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel uh, came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing with, with, with your servants? I'm sorry, why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, Make bricks. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. And he said, You're idle, idle. Therefore, you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work, for no straw shall be given to you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officer and the officers of the children of Israel saw that they saw that they were in trouble after it was said, You shall not receive any uh, any bricks. You shall not I'm sorry, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, to put swords in their hands to kill us. So Moses returned, returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak, to, to speak in your name, he has done evil to his people. Neither have you delivered your people, uh, your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For, in, for, in, uh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand uh, he will drive them out from his, of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to them, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, Jehovah, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you up from under the bondage of, Egypt, of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from the bondage, and I will redeem you with, with outstretched arms and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God, who brings you out from under the burden of, e of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as, an, as a heritage. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses, because, because of the anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to, to Moses, saying, Go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded to me. How then shall Pharaoh heed, heed me? For I am, I am of uncircumcised lips. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command, uh, gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now this evening, we're short on time, and, and, and I will try to be gracious in that sense. I, I'm not going to keep you here until 7.30, in fear that you will stone me. I'm just going to hit some of the highlights. 
There's a lot of material here, and uh, there's a lot of typology, a lot of application we can glean uh, from these, 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 this passage. Uh, but I will, I will select a couple major points to highlight. Maybe they will warm your heart as they did mine. And so one of the things I want to pick up on is we pick up there, Aaron met Moses. Moses told Aaron all that the Lord showed him. And he showed them the, the, the three signs. And yet they go to the people. They go to the people and they do exactly what the Lord says. They tell, they'll tell the people, the Lord has appeared unto us. And, and the Lord has seen your affliction. And he's come down to deliver you. And then he shows the people the three signs. And it's these three signs I want you to, to pause and meditate on. We didn't have any time to, to go over them this morning. So I, I want to kind of touch on them uh, this evening. What were the three signs? Well, the first one was, was that, that rod, right? The Lord said to Moses, what's in your hand? And, the Lord said, and Moses said, it's a, it's a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And this rod turned miraculously into a serpent. And we read that Moses jumped back and, and was startled and was scared. of the, he, Obviously, he looks like me. He doesn't like snakes. And the Lord said, reach out and grab it. Now, I don't know about you, but that would have taken some faith on my part to actually reach out and grab that snake. But he did. There's significance in that single sign because each sign spoke something to the children of Israel. That sign also speaks to us here today in the church today. You know, typology sometimes can be kind of difficult, but in in this case, I I believe it's fairly simple, isn't it? Who is the great serpent? Who is that serpent of old we read there in Genesis, don't we? It's Satan himself. Satan himself is always depicted as a serpent. And yet in the simple sign of, of, a, of a staff being turned into a snake, it simply tells the children of Israel in that day that the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's a sovereign God. And he even has power over Satan himself. That's true to them in that day. It's true to us today as well, brothers and sisters. Our God is all sovereign. Satan has no no power unless the Lord himself allows it. You can recall yourself there in the book of Job. Satan and his demons had to come to the Lord himself and and give an account. And and Satan would have to ask permission to do so. Oh, Lord, you're you're good servant, Job. If you took everything he had, he'd curse your name. All right, I'll allow it. But you can't touch his health. And you see Satan bound by the sovereignty of God. It's a a simple little sign, but it's a beautiful sign, right? He is sovereign over all things. He he controls all things. The Lord tells Moses, listen, if they they, they don't believe you and heed your word after the first sign, I have another one for you. He says, grab your hand and put it inside your bosom. Put it inside your shirt. Take it out. And Moses' hand was, it was white like snow. It was, it was completely covered in leprosy. That must have startled them, right? He must have jumped back too. Now I have leprosy. The Lord says, put it back in, in your bosom. Take it back out, and it was restored. Now, once again, typology can be difficult, but this is relatively simple. What, what, what is leprosy a type of or a picture of in, in the Scriptures? Sin. Amen. Listen, our God is not a God who just has power over Satan, but he has power and dominion over sin itself. And that would have spoken to the children of Israel who were in bondage 
to the Egyptians. Leprosy was a, was a picture of sin and the bondage of it. And we, it, it speaks to us, right? Because we too can be freed from the bondage of sin through our Lord. And then the Lord says, well, if Moses, if they, don't, they don't heed your word after the first sign and the second and the latter sign. Well, I have one more sign for you. He says, you're going to go to the river, River Nile, grab some water. And you said, you're going to pour it on dry ground. When that water is poured on dry ground, it says it will turn into blood. Now, blood, the precious blood. In the Old Testament, the blood was sacred of a sacrifice. It's the lifeblood of the animal. It was sacred in the sense that it only belonged to God himself. But yet it's more than that, is it not? For we read that the Lord overcame sin. The Lord overcame Satan and his dominion. Through what? Through the blood of who? Of his beloved son. Our beloved Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the children of Israel in that day, yes, they obviously didn't see or didn't have the New Testament. They don't know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. But they themselves were going to be redeemed by blood, were they not? For there in that last plague, when, when the angel of death would come upon Egypt and, and would swoop down upon that civilization to snuff out every firstborn in that land, the angel would see the posts there marked with what? atoning blood and he would pass on through so these three signs were incredibly significant for with these three signs the lord said these people will believe and they did right moses came told them showed them the sign and it says that the people believed not only did they believe and it's and it's important to note very important to note they believed it says they heard the words of the lord that said that the lord visited the children of israel listen to the words he listened he visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Look at that order there. It's a beautiful thing. When souls who, who are lost in, in when, souls who are in bondage of sin realize that there's a living God who looks upon them and sees their affliction and came, and is, came down to deliver them. They turn in faith and believe. It turns a, a, a mortal soul into a, a heart filled with the Spirit of God, turns to the living God in worship. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Us this morning, thus, who, who, who have been redeemed by the, by the grace of God, who have been redeemed by His blood, we gather together around two simple emblems. In our thoughts, in our songs, in our prayers, and in our, hopefully all our beings, we're focused upon His person. And, and hopefully we exalted him and we gave him worship. All because he looked upon us and saw our afflictions and came to deliver us. The significance of those three little signs. We see that those three little signs were also then going to be given and shown to, to, to Pharaoh, but that, that'll come at a later date. And I don't want to step on anybody else's lesson. And so we see that Moses and, and Moses and Aaron, now after they've gone, talked to the children, now they go to Pharaoh himself. And they go to Pharaoh and declare to him the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, 
Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. You know, there's, there's simple significance in that. Moses had Aaron to speak for him. Now the Lord said, Aaron, Aaron, he, he can speak. He's, he's, he's got a good mouth. He's eloquent. Unlike Moses, who was, had uncircumcised lips, he said it himself. Moses could have gone there with his intellect that he learned in Egypt and Aaron and his wisdom and could have gone there and let's try to persuade Pharaoh to let the people go. They didn't go to Pharaoh in their own wisdom and in their own words and in their own contrived logic. They came and presented to him the exact words of the living God. The Lord said, let my people go. We can learn from that. I can learn from that. You know, sometimes, sometimes I can be long-winded. And whenever I'm talking to somebody, I, I, I try to reason with them. I try to reason with them concerning the things of the Lord. Sometimes it's better to shut myself off and just simply declare the word of the Lord. Let the word of the Listen, they're not going to remember anything I say, but the word of the Lord will not return void. It will not return void. When we speak to those who are around us who are unbelievers, oh, if we can give them the word of the Lord, how far more efficient will our witness be? When we go to encourage a brother and sister, if we can give them the word of the Lord, how far more efficient that would be. For we wouldn't stand on our own merit, on our own wisdom, on our own kindness, but we stand upon the word of the Lord. Simple, but profound. And they declared to Pharaoh, let my people go. They said, the Lord God of Israel said, let my people go, so they may hold a feast for me in the wilderness. And we read the, the response of Pharaoh. He says, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Who is the Lord God of Israel that I shall let Israel go? I don't know him, and I won't let him go. You know, that, that is the outcry of humanity as a whole. You know, I've watched a couple debates. on uh, John Lennox, if, if you ever have any time, he's a wonderful brother. He's debated a lot of atheists, a lot of well-known atheists. And one who, who recently passed away, and I fear for his soul. His name was Christopher Hitchens. Arrogant. Arrogant man. He would sit there and, and, and look at this man, John Lennox, and said, you're an absolute fool, he says. How could you believe in the fairy tales and the myths of it all? I don't know. There's no, listen, if I can't see God, if I can't test God in a beaker, why should I believe in God? Is that not what Pharaoh said? Listen, I don't know, God. All I know is I need bricks. I need bricks. I don't know, God. I don't know your Lord. He knows nothing about, I know nothing of him. Why should I listen to him? All I know is you are mine and I need bricks. The intelligentsia of today will sit there and say the same. Who is the Lord? I don't know him. If I can't test him with science, if I can't quantify him with mathematics, if I can't physically, physically get a hold of him, 
Why should I even listen to him? Why should I, I obey his voice? How sad it is. The wicked are like a shaft, are they not? Which the wind blows, cleans away. That shaft where of the wheat as it's tossed up and the breeze would come by and separate the wheat from the shaft. The, the useless part of it all just gets blown and tossed to and fro with all kinds of winds of doctrine, don't they? They think themselves wise, and yet they are fools in their own, in their own thinking. Moses replies to Pharaoh and says, listen, the God, of the, he- the God of the Hebrews has met with us. He says, please let my people go. They, we, they need to journey three days into the wilderness. Three days into the wilderness, he says, so they can hold a feast, so they can serve and worship me, he says. Now, I want you to pause there for a minute. And I want to cont- contemplate and consider these three days. Because they're significant. They're not just random. The Lord didn't say they need a journey for a week, they need a journey for a month, they need a journey for a day. He said three days, a very precise number, a very perfect number. Now, three in the scriptures is a unique number. Three speak to us of, of separation from something old and unifying with something new. How can I illustrate that? Joshua. There, Joshua in chapter 1. As the Lord commanded Joshua and gave him instructions on how to cross that, that flooded Jordan River. A river that was impassable for a, for a healthy male adult, let alone for 2 million people that were sitting behind him. The Lord said, Joshua, tell the people to consecrate themselves for how many days? Three days. Three days. For in the third day, they were going to cross that Jordan River, leave the wilderness, and enter into what? The promised land. The land of their inheritance. The land in which he promised them. You see the three there, right? The setting aside, the, sending, the putting away of the wilderness, putting away of the old, and entering in a union with, with the new. Three is significant. Think of Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the whale. Three days. He went into the whale a disobedient prophet, a rebellious prophet. He came out of that belly of that whale on the third day. An obedient prophet putting away of the old, and taking a union with the, with, with, with the Lord. Of course, the most famous three of all is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He went into the tomb. And going into the tomb, he took with him the sins of the world, the sins of humanity as a whole, and he put them away. He put them away from the memory of God. He does not remember them anymore. And when he came up again from that tomb, he opens his hands of reconciliation, willing to unify a rebellious humanity to a holy and righteous God through his work. You see, threes. And the last one I'll give you is there, Saul. We talked about Saul a lot this morning. 
There, when, when the Lord met Saul on that road to Damascus, Saul, 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 why do you persecute me, Saul? The Lord struck him with blindness. And for three days, says Saul did not eat or drink. And a man who, who hated Christians, who hated Jesus, after three days, the scales, says Ananias came to him, and, 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 and the Holy Spirit indwelled him. The scales of his eye came off. And it says immediately he went into the synagogue. And immediately he what? He preached Christ. The putting away of the old. And bringing, coming together of the, the new. Coming, the union with, with God himself. So they're significant in the three. The Lord told Moses, you're going to go into the wilderness for three days. Separate yourself from Egypt, from all the things that Egypt represents. The world, sin, Satan himself, separate yourself. You consecrate yourself in those three days. And in the third day, you will worship me. Yet we read later on in this, in, in this book that as the, as the Lord began to judge Egypt and plague him, Pharaoh would soften his view in this whole, letting them go to worship. But he never wanted to let them go three days. There in, in Genesis chapter 8, after the fourth plague, he comes up to Moses. Okay, Moses, listen, I, go ahead, go ahead and sacrifice and worship to the Lord. You, go ahead and do it. But stay, stay here. You, you don't have to journey three days. You don't have to, to, to make the travel. I'll make, it, I'll make it very easy for you. Stay here. Worship the Lord here. Go for it. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's one of the biggest lies of the devil. Christianity as a whole is lukewarm. I mean, if, if the church in America is not delayed to seeing church, I don't know what is. They're lukewarm. Why? Oh, listen, you, you, you turn to Jesus, you, you believe, he forgives you for your sin, and you know what? You continue being yourself. You continue being true to who you are, they say. Uh, Romans says, uh, Romans 8, 6 says, you know, uh, sh shall we sin that grace may abound? I am, yeah, I mean, he, he is gracious. He's a very gracious God. Listen, if, you, if, if you're a sinner and, and, and you enjoy certain, certain habits, you enjoy keep the Lord will forgive you. He's a God of love. He'll cover a multitude of sins, they'll sit there and say. <laughs> or they'll sit there and say, listen, you go ahead. If you have to go on Sunday mornings just to have some peace about, about yourself and, and what you do from Monday through Saturday, go ahead. But don't forsake the world. Listen, this world's got so much to offer. It's, there's so much ha happiness in it. There's so much enjoyment you can have. What, what, why would you leave it? Listen, just... Once in a while, in fact, go to a meeting, sit there, drop $20 in the bucket, clear your conscience, you're good to go. That's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need to commit. You don't need to, to obey the word of God. Whatever you, whatever you think is right. <laughs> yeah, but Moses didn't fall for it, did he? Moses said no. I, if, if, first of all, he said if we sacrifice here, he says... Uh, the, the, the people would stone us. They, they, they think it's, it's an abomination. They, they don't like sheep and, sheep and, 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 and cattle. They, don't, they dislike them. But we have to go. He says, he repeated the word of the Lord. We have to go three days out. And Pharaoh said, oh, no, absolutely not. We can't do that. 
Actually, he compromises a little bit again. He says, you can go, but go a little bit far. Go a little bit. Don't go three days. Just go, go half a day out and do your sacrifice. Always trying to water it down. Always trying to dilute the truth of God. Always trying to compromise. And, and many souls have fallen to that trap. Many souls have fallen into the, oh, listen, it doesn't matter what you believe in. As long as you're happy with what you believe in, you feel like you're true to yourself, all this nonsense. But people, people eat it all up. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a young man at the beach. His name is Roddy, by the way. Pray for him. I, he was drunk when I was talking to him, but I pray for him. He thought himself wise in the eyes of the world. Oh, I, I, I pray every day, he says. Oh, do you do? Who do you pray to? Oh, I pray to myself. Really? How's that going? But it's sad. It's sad. Don't compromise. Three days, Moses said. You know, Pharaoh later on at a later chapter, he tries again, chapter 10, he says, okay, listen. After a couple of plagues, he says, okay, I'm going to let you go. He says, but who's going? Well, Moses says, well, everyone's going. Both male, female, child, uh, horse, donkey, lamb, we're all going to go. Pharaoh says, okay, I'll do this. Listen, that journey for three days, it's a dangerous journey. It's no place for women and children. Let, leave your women and children and your livestock here. The men, you men, you, you men of the household, you go. You go and worship the Lord, but leave the women and children. <laughs> oh, what a lie of the devil, isn't it? That, 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 that's one where, uh, sadly, a lot of believers fall into it. A lot of godly men, even for the right reasons, even for the service of the Lord, would forsake even their own children sometimes and forsake their duties as, as fathers. For what would happen if, if the men would go down and the, and the children and the women would stay in the dominion, in the dominion of Egypt, of, in, in, the world, in the world itself? Sooner or later, the world would eat them up. And what would happen to those men? It, their responsibilities, their hearts are with their wives and their children. And they themselves would begin to compromise. And so it is true today. Men, I speak to myself as well. We're admonished, right? Do not, not, not to, uh, bring our child to wrath, but he says to, be, to admonish him in the thing of the Lord, right? All the compromise. Satan says, you can have the men, but give me the children, give me the women. Moses says no. Lastly, the last shot, he, the last try he gives him, he says, listen, I'm going to let everybody go, but, Leave the herds. Leave the livestock, he says. There's no need for you to take them. <laughs> and the application simple. Moses actually, actually gives us the application. Moses says, listen, we travel three days there, and we have nothing to worship the Lord with. We have nothing to sacrifice. We have to take the herds. We have to. We're having a feast to the Lord. If we travel three days to worship the Lord, and we have nothing to worship What's the point? You know, Satan will tell you that, won't he? Listen, you, you, you go to your meetings, you, 
hey, listen, you go to every meeting. But you know what? You, you can just be a pew sitter. You can sit there as long as the songs are good, as long as the preaching, well, not tonight, but the preaching is good. You, it, it, that's enough. That's all you need. You don't have to get involved. You don't have to serve. You don't have to minister. You don't have to worship, he says. You don't have to put your resources, your talents to the work of the Lord. Leave that for yourself. Keep it, hold that back. Hold it for yourself, he says. Listen, it's good enough. You go Sunday morning, you go Sunday evening, you go Wednesdays. You, you, you hear it, you, you pray, you sing. It's great. That's enough. No. It's all or nothing, brothers and sisters. It's all or nothing. It's very clear. All or nothing. The Lord is very specific. The Lord, listen, he wanted three days journey for the children of Israel to consecrate. And on the third day, they were going to worship all of them. And so he calls us as well. Not only does he call us to consecrate ourselves, but to consecrate our families and all that we are. And all that we have. It's his anyways, isn't it? None of it belongs to us. He gave it to us to begin with. He gave me my children. He gave me my wife. He gives me my job. He gives me my salary. He gives me my house. If he doesn't want me to have it, he can take it away right now. I, don't, I, I can't hold on to any of it. It's all his to begin with. Be weary of the compromises, the compromises that the devil wants to set in there and say, oh, just hold back a little bit. Hold back a little bit. No, it's all for him. Saints, I hope you're encouraged. I hope your hearts are encouraged by these lessons and applications. And I know we didn't get very far, but I'm 10 minutes over, and I thank you again for your grace and your patience with me. But I'd encourage you to... to, to on your own time, do your own homework, read these passages. There's an immense amount of meat to be digested. An immense amount of application for the believer today in these, in these stories. Sometimes we consider the Old Testament just Sunday school stuff. Sunday school, they're, they're great for kids. Maybe, maybe I'm just a kid, I love them. I absolutely love them. And I'd encourage you to, to get into there's a lot of There's a lot of applications. There's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of typology as well. And, I, and I'll, I'll entice you that way and leave you to it and exhort you to, to do your own digging, to do your own studying, and to seek the living God in his word. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Father, Lord, I, I, we stand before you, Lord, people who are unworthy of your grace and unworthy of your love. Yet you sought to redeem us, Lord, and we praise you and worship you for it, Lord. Lord, I, I, I ask for, for those who are here and myself, Lord, that we, Lord, would not compromise, but would give it all to you, Lord. It's all yours anyways, Lord. Let our minds, our hearts, our energy, our strength, our finances, our talents, our family be to your glory and your glory alone, Lord. Lord, I ask all these things in your son's precious name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.